love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Are you a dreamer? You know, think about it. I mean, sometimes we make fun of people who talk about night dreaming and even those who just share their dreams. Well, we're going to talk about that. I want you to be a dreamer of the day. I'll tell you what that means here in a little bit. Well, we want to thank some of our supporters. Today, we're thanking Casper.com. Now, I'm going to tell you about Casper, a new mattress company, how you can get $50 off. I'm hearing from people already who are taking advantage of that. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But you can go to Casper.com slash 48 days and use the promo code 48 days to get $50 off a really cool mattress. I'll tell you about ours, how we got it and what we're doing with it at this point in just a little bit. Well, here's some questions we'll be looking at today. Um, well, the first one is just a success story. We got some really cool success stories today. Somebody says four years ago, I read 48 days to the work you love and it truly changed my life. We'll talk about that. Someone says, Dan, how do you decide when a business isn't just isn't working out? Well, I've got some guidelines that I use for doing exactly that. Somebody wants to know, Dan, would you recommend that someone show their disc profile to a potential employer? What can I do to get through this difficult time? And then one I want to get to, I feel like my time is worth way more than I'm being paid. What do you do if you think your time is worth more than you're being paid? Well, there's some very specific steps you can take and we'll look at those. Now, our quotation today comes from Brian Tracy who said all successful men and women are big dreamers. They imagine what their future could be ideal in every respect. And then they work every day toward their distant vision, that goal or purpose. I say, he said that he's still very much alive and alive and well, believe me, having somebody remake our website right now that is also remaking Brian Tracy's website. I'm really excited about the process because there's some really cool things that we're doing. Just do look things change. We update our website about every two years and we're right in the midst of that right now. But Brian is certainly one that talks about dreamers. All successful men and women are big dreamers. You know, in seven pillars of wisdom, T.E. Lawrence said there are dreamers but not all human beings dream equally. Some are dreamers of the night who in the dusty recesses of their mind dream and wake in the morning to find it was just vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous people because they act their dreams into reality with open eyes. How do you view your dreams? I came from a psychological training background. So, I was exposed to the work of Carl Jung years ago, and he talks about dreams and certainly a lot of others in that space, but I've always given my dreams a lot of high value. Frankly, if I'm working on something difficult, I like to sleep on it. And we hear that phrase. I mean, I, I do. I love to go to bed with a challenge, confident that as my mind is more relaxed and, and God has more opportunity to speak when I'm not in control of it so much, I think I get solutions that I would otherwise not get. A lot of times when I'm working with coaching clients, we do exactly that where I tell them, keep a pad and pen by your bed in that instant. When you wake up, write down 
what you were dreaming. Everybody dreams, incidentally. Don't, don't, there's nobody who does not dream. If you don't dream, you hallucinate to catch up. Our minds have to dream. If you don't remember dreams, it's easy to tap into those by like setting your alarm clock 90 minutes earlier than what you would normally wake up. You'll likely interrupt the dream about 90 minutes after you go to sleep. You're likely to be in a dream, deep REM period where you're dreaming. So it's not difficult to tap into your dreams. And I look for solutions there. I mean, there's, there's times during the day when I'm working on something or when I'm stuck in writing and just feel kind of empty and dry, I'll go take a quick nap and come back. Wow. And it just releases the very thing I was looking for. Napoleon Hill says, cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate accomplishments. Now it's funny to run into people who, who dismiss their dreams just totally just, ah, you know, it was bad pizza. I ate too much before I went to bed or whatever. Boom. And they just dismiss their dreams. And yet there are people who were high achievers who say, wow, those dreams are the blueprints of your ultimate accomplishments. And Henry Ford was famous for wanting his employees to spend time thinking and dreaming. He didn't want people who just worked all the time. He wanted people that would put their feet up on the desk, put their head back and let their mind go. That's where creativity comes from. Interesting how our opinions get shaped on that. But again, just keep in mind, that's our quotation for the day. All successful men and women are big dreamers. Tell you what, I got a little, I want to do a little something different here. I've got three copies of Seth Godin's delightful little book, Poke the Box. It talks about taking initiative, taking action, doing things with our dreams. I got three copies there. I'll give away. All you have to do to be an entry is send me a note. Send a note to askdan at 48days.com telling me how you took action on a dream. That's it. Just tell me how you took action on a dream. I love to hear those stories. Of course, we hear a lot of them as success stories, but you specifically tell me that you're responding to this request telling me how you took action on a dream. I'll put your name in the hat. We'll draw three people and I'll send you the hardback book, Poke the Box, one of my most favorite little books. I have cases of them, but I'm going to send three copies of those to you. If you send a note to askdan at 48days.com. Now, let me just tell you, tell me a little bit more about Casper. A couple weeks ago, we got our first Casper mattress. It came in a box. We had a bunch of people here for one of my masterminds that particular day. We brought it in, opened the box in front of everybody. Now you don't normally think about a mattress coming to you shipped in a box and it normally does not. This does. This is a cool new company out of New York, taking a new fresh approach to an old standard industry. They're doing it differently. So we opened the mattress. It kind of found its own shape. It was amazing to watch it unfold. We put it on one of our guest beds and my grandkids fight over it to have a chance to sleep in it. I've slept in it a couple nights when Joanne's been out of town. It is amazing. Now, it's one of those things. It's just a new way to look at an old, old industry. So, yeah, it's a combination of latex foam and memory foam. Um, there's a risk-free tri- tri- trial and return policy. I talked to uh, Tom Schwab the other day. He said he just ordered one. Clark Gaither said he just ordered one. But you can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days, free delivery, painless returns, simple shipping, 
Same day shipping if you live in New York City, about five days nationally. Uh, It's made from premium, resilient materials. It gets compressed into that little box for free shipping and an unpacking experience that really does just blow your mind. So check it out. I mean, these are very reasonably priced. That's $500 for a twin size, $950 for a king size mattress, and you can get $50 off. No shipping. I mean, what a cool thing. You don't have to drive a truck down to the local furniture store and get a way to transport it out to your house. Yeah, just pick up the phone and, well, jump online. Go to casper.com slash 48 days. Use that particular link and then put in the promo code 48 days to get $50 off the cool mattress from Casper. Now, again, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be promoting Doritos and potato chips and things like that on here. But if it's something that I think uh, where somebody took action and is doing something differently, then yeah, we welcome the different kind of businesses where people are doing things. I can't wait to get to the success stories here. We'll tell you about some people that are doing things differently there as well. But let me jump right into that. Sam, Sam Lytle says in June of 2013, you read my success story of going of how the frustration of getting turned down on 10% raises at my government job motivated me to leave and get a 50% raise in the private civil engineering industry while also pursuing my passion of 3d visualization. Well, fast forward a year and I found myself doing 3d visualization almost exclusively in the private industry in Las Vegas. I still had the dream of starting my own studio eventually, but good opportunities and a growing family. We have three kids now kept me at a steady job with my salary increasing every year. Now he goes through how he's working at a company that they saw everybody else in the 3d industry as competition. He listens to my advice that we don't, that the new word in business is not competition. What is it? Yes, it's collaboration. We work together and, uh, Sam goes on and talks about how he took the opportunity to quit his job when he realized how tight and how competitive his previous employer felt about that. So he went into business for himself and boom, now he's going to bill $40,000 between August and December of this year. We're right in between, but he says he's projecting it'll bill at least $40,000. Okay. And Uh, The university professor that the company thought was trying to steal their methods, he says he met with him and with the mindset of working together, I got paid to not only train his students, but also make a concept transportation animation as well, totaling about 10,000. Now, Sam, I, I assume that's the little link that you included that you showed me. I opened it up and watched that little movie, the 3D visualization. That is phenomenal. And I'm just blown away. I mean, it takes us into a future world, but to see the way the trucks were loaded into the trains, the stuff that was made so clear with the 3D visualization, what a great way to bring an idea to life like that. Well, Sam says, one final important note. Now, this is cool. One important note on our adventure. We were living in a nice house in the suburbs of Las Vegas and knew that we could not maintain our cost of living with the new startup. To make sure we could live off of our savings for as long as possible, we bought a single wide mobile home and put it on my parents' land north of Las Vegas and essentially cut our cost of living in half. Our new mortgage is $150 a month as opposed to the $1,200 we were paying before. 
saying my wife has been absolutely amazing in this process is an understatement. If you could give her a public shout out, it would mean a lot. Hey, here's a shout out to Sam's wife for being a trooper in this exciting adventure that you guys are on. Well, and Sam says, yeah, life is still an adventure, but I think we're going to make it. I can't tell if I'm working or playing, and I've never been more satisfied and fulfilled with my work. My clients love our product, and I hope to quickly build a team as our project load increases. I'm also releasing my first paid Udemy course this week and hope that content marketing can be a valuable part of my business plan. Thanks for all you do and for being a mentor from afar. You probably don't remember, but our mutual friend Jared Easley introduced you and me in the hallway at New Media Expo right before Pat Flynn's keynote presentation. Wow. Okay. I do remember that now. Well, he says, I tried to keep this short, but it was long. So feel free to condense it, which I did. But again, thanks for your note, Sam. What a, what a cool note. And, you know, 3D imaging is a, is a hot thing right now. Um, another gentleman I'm working with out of California is very involved in 3D. He quit his job as well. He's a PhD. He quit his job, went out on his own. This summer, he taught 3D conceptual courses to teenagers across the country, stopped here with their motor home and their own six kids, stopped here with their motor home and their way back out to California, gave me a little V8 engine, a 3D produced V8 engine that's actually a working model. You turn a little crank and all the components move. I have no idea how it's done, but I love what's being done in the 3D world. Well, let me add another one here and then we'll move into some questions. Hannah McMinn sent me a note. Hannah says, Dan, I don't know where to begin. Four years ago, I read 48 Days to the Work You Love. It truly changed my life, set off a domino effect in every area of my life. At the time, I was in a job I abhorred and was literally becoming depressed. After reading your book, I felt empowered to make some changes, started seeking out how I could realistically start doing something I love and still be able to make ends meet. Now, listen to these letters. These are real people, listeners like all the rest of you there who were perhaps in a position like you may feel like you're in today, and yet they had a dream and took action on it. Again, a dream doesn't mean anything if it doesn't lead you to action. But if it leads you to action, you can dramatically change your life, as Sam and Alhanna is telling me about here. Um, she says to make a long story short, within those four years, I started a full-time job that I really enjoyed. And I started my own mobile personal training and corporate wellness business on the side. And last January, I decided to quit my full-time job, which had become extremely stressful and go out on my own since my business was growing. And there was no more time left in the day to do both. Two months later, I found out I was pregnant. Whoa, talk about changing things up. I had to take a major step back with my business and redefine the life that my husband and I wanted for our growing family. Fast forward to this past July, I had been working on launching a podcast called One Lifers. Since it was all about taking intentional steps toward living the one life we have. However, I wanted to focus on women and primarily mothers since I realized there wasn't much positive or realistic advice out there for moms on how to follow your purpose and still be an amazing mom because it's crazy hard to try to do both. Everyone that I seem to really, everyone that I talked to seemed to really enjoy listening to our podcast on Audible. So while there was a ton of great advice, it wasn't always applicable to, the, to a lot of moms. So this is where you come in again. One night, my hubby told me I should switch the show's name to The More Than Mom Show. 
After tired of being unsure, I jumped onto 48days.net, asked you about my name. You gave me some great feedback, so I decided to stop being wishy-washy and just do it. I changed the name that night to The More Than Mom Show. I launched a month and a half later. It has been very well received. It's even made it to the new and noteworthy section in iTunes. Your podcast was the very first one I ever listened to. It gave me the weekly motivation to get going. So thank you for all you do. I would love to hear what you think of the show. Attached is a workout you can do anywhere as a thank you for everything you have done for my family and me. Well, that comes from Hannah. Well, Hannah sent me a little video personally addressed to Joanne and me with her friend, Sarah, where they were outside and did some little workouts. Hannah, I'm not sure we can pull everything off that you've got there. Those cardio kicks where you're jumping up in the air and touching each other's shoe heels. Uh, that's, that's pretty rowdy for a couple like Joanne and me. We'll try it. I'll have Joanne follow through the video. Thanks for sharing that. And congratulations on what you've done. You know, sometimes like having a, a podcast with a particular name. Sometimes you can experiment with another name. I mean, I had Crystal Payne over here recently. We spent an afternoon together working with yet another client of mine where we were trying to leverage her business, and it's kind of in the same pace as space as Crystal Payne. Now, Crystal had a site on the internet to help people save money. And it was something like common sense where she used C-E-N-T-S. It was something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. And she was just kind of hanging in there by a thread. And then she changed it to money saving mom. And it was like somebody ignited an explosion. Money saving mom was the ticket that launched the business that she has today. She does incredibly well. Uh, if I told you financial figures, you'd choke and fall over. So I won't, but you can just be assured that it's extremely, extremely high. What she does by helping moms, and these are a lot of you know, stay-at-home, homeschooling moms who don't spend big bucks, but they spend little dollars, and Crystal gets paid for all those little links where she gives people ideas and coupons, money-saving tips. So... Congratulations again, Hannah, on the More Than Mom show. I did go there. I listened to your intro, a little bit of the show. Congratulations on getting that up, launching it. Absolutely love to hear those stories. Hey, you know what's coming now at the end of our... Oh, wow. That was a rough start there. Well, frankly, I don't know what's happening here. Well, I don't need to bring that up anymore. I don't know what's going on with my We Are the Champions, but there you go. We Are the Champions by Queen. That's what we play at the end of this. If you want to hear that at the end of your story here, just shoot your success story in. Got lots of those. I share a couple every week. Share them in my blogs and writing upcoming books as well. Got some people immortalizing their success story. Got another one I want to share about somebody who started their own mechanic business because we got a question that I want to get to that addresses a very similar kind of thing. But again, just shoot your, your success story in. You can go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast, leave it there, or just send a note to me at askdan at 48days.com. Love to include you in that. We are the champion segment. Have to check out my sound clip there. See what happened to the, the botch up my sound clip on we are the champions. Well, let's go to some questions here. We threw as many as we can. Michael says, how do you decide when a business just isn't working out? 
I bought a business with the idea that I would build it bigger so then I could be the one running it instead of the one doing all the daily tasks. I wanted to own a business, not just have a decent job, but it's been almost three years and it hasn't grown at all. It's not a business that I'm really passionate about either. Do I just leave it? Well, there's too many unanswered questions to give you a lot of specific direction here, but I'm going to tell you how I decide if something isn't working, I give it a year. That's enough time. I mean, most of the things that I start, if it's a product or if it's an event that we're going to do, I give it a year. If it's not doing what I expected it to do, I just unplug it. Now, here's kind of a caveat with that, because that doesn't mean that I'm then left with nothing and have to look with something else to do. No, because the way I structure my business, I have little pockets of different businesses under one umbrella. I actually have seven. I use a Venn diagram, three circles that are in a lock. If you do that, just sketch them out on a on a pad where you've got three circles where they overlap at some point, you'll have seven distinct areas. That's the way I operate my business. So if I want to launch a new project, if I launch a mastermind and I want to have 48 people who are in there and I do that and they're going to pay a set amount of money every month and that doesn't work, I just stop doing that. I just unplug that. Now that hasn't happened. That's a new area that I added this year and it's been marvelous what's happened there, but that's an example of how I try something new, but there are always things that are on the bubble in my business model where I say, this isn't working as well as I want it to. So I'm going to unplug it. I did that a couple of years ago with speaking where I was doing a lot of outside speaking. At this point I do eh, three or four major events a year. That's it. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want that to be a major part. That's not that it wasn't working, but I just, some other things, I felt like it was taking too much time away from some of the other things that I did want to develop, but that's how I look at it. So if it's been three years and hasn't grown at all, now here's the real kicker in what you ask, Michael, in your question, it's not a business I'm really passionate about. Uh-oh, uh, that could be a key why it's not growing. Don't be trying to develop a business that you're not passionate about. So the question is, would somebody else be passionate about it? I mean, I work with chiropractors and dentists and accountants who say, I hate this business. Uh, should I just close the door? No, probably not. I mean, I had a young chiropractor who came to me one time, hated what he was doing. He was so tired of workman's comp claims and trying to help people who didn't want to be helped. And it was just a disaster in his mind, but he had $121,000 in student loan debt in the process of getting his degree as a chiropractor. I said, dude, in as much as you hate what you're doing, there are other people who would love to be in a position you are. You just, it, it's not a good fit for you. That doesn't mean it's not for somebody else. Don't close the doors. Let's sell this puppy. Well, in two weeks time, he had a buyer sold it for $90,000. Well, that's a pretty good chunk toward the debt that he had. So he was able to walk away with that. Went on to some of the really cool things I'd love to tell you about at some point. I will totally different from what he was doing. Trust me. And that can happen a lot, but in as much as it's a business you don't enjoy, Michael, it may in fact be a great foundational piece for somebody else to see it in a way that you don't for somebody else to see opportunities that you've not been able to develop. So look first at selling it again. If it is, you know, a bricks and mortar business, or you have an ongoing clientele, you, know, you can probably sell it to somebody else. 
then move on. But absolutely, if it's not growing for you and you don't enjoy it anyway, sure, make a change. That's what entrepreneurs do. Entrepreneurs don't get into one business and then just do it for 30 years. They change, they grow, they modify, they flip out to something, something else. Man, that's a, that's almost part and parcel of being an entrepreneur that you love change, challenge, and variety. So welcome that move on to other things. Chris says, Dan, would you recommend that someone show their disc profile to a potential employer so the employer can really get to know him or her? Yeah, absolutely. I would. Any knowledgeable, any brilliant, smart, in the know employer is going to want to do a disc profile on you before they really make a final decision anyway. So all you're doing is shortening the process. Sure. I mean, obviously there can't be anything in your disc profile that's going to work against you. Otherwise it's not going to be a good fit anyway. So yeah, I encourage you to go ahead. So if it shows that you're real outgoing, you're, you're real gregarious, you know, you're the life of the party, the cheerleader, the encourager, yeah, that ought to be a part of making a decision about where you're a good fit. That probably means it's not going to be, you know, up to the 13th floor down the hall and the third cubicle on the left where you go in and stay there by yourself all day. Probably not going to be a good fit. Yeah, go ahead and show an employer your disc profile. You should be very comfortable with what it tells about you and use that to your advantage in a hiring situation. Now, there's some others out there as well. There are some others that are very popular. The strength finders, that's a great one as well. If you have that, sure, go ahead and share that. Now, incidentally, I'm saying that you should show this to a potential employer when you are engaged in the interview process. Don't send this in advance or like send it with your resume. If you're asking that, then by all means, no, don't do that. I mean, people get way ahead of, they get the, the cart before the horse here. And a lot of people have been enamored with the fact that we can do video resumes as an example. That has done more harm to people than it has done good because it allows a potential employer to make a decision about whether or not they want you on their team. That has a lot of potential to work against you. What you want is a resume. Stick with a resume. You know, you can do creative things to get somebody's attention, believe me, in today's workplace. But a resume or something that is similar to that, you know, an overview of your recent work or a project that you did or a blog that you do. I mean, those little things can whet somebody's appetite so they want to at least get together with you. So don't sabotage your chances for getting together with somebody by giving them too much information in advance, but you can have your disc profile information ready or your strength finders information ready when you go to an interview and handle it at that point as part of that process. There's also a new one out there, uh, the Sally Hogshead profile, the fascination advantage assessment. I don't know if you've heard about that. You can check that out. You can either just Google Sally Hogshead. She's the the creator of that or the fascination advantage assessment. And that one, my title is maestro, you know, somebody who likes to direct things. So there's a lot that goes with that, but another inventory that a lot of people are using, having a lot of fun with, and that's the way this should be. I mean, there's nothing negative on these things. This is not like a, a psychological inventory. This is not the MMPI. Remember that old monsters, monstrous thing that used to be given to people to see if they had psychological disorders 
not used much anymore, but it was the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. Golly, back when I was doing my graduate work, you know, I used the Everett Shostrom Personal Orientation Inventory. And we would try to get these measurements of somebody's psychological well-being or their uh, self-actualization, how actualized they were. And all these elusive kind of terms. Well, the personality profiles, again, I, I love them. We use them a lot here. Um, frankly, that is our hottest selling product, bar none. I mean, we sell more personality profiles than we do my own books. Sometimes I, I cringe about that. But the, the, the reason is this, is because any of my books, I give people a link in there to come get the personality profile. And it's such an integral part of understanding yourself and moving into work that really is a good fit for you. I want people to do that. So people who purchase my books through Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or other places like that all around the world, they, we don't sell the book to them, but we sell the profile to them. Well, that's a pretty cool thing. And incidentally, that's, that's a good example of exactly how I do leverage my books and on a book where I may make pennies on it because of the royalty, we make serious dollars on it because people then come back for things like the profile and other products. It's a way that you ought to see any kind of product or service you have as just the tip of the funnel in developing relationships with your customers over a long period of time. Well, Hey, I got carried away there, but yeah, the, the disc profile is a great part of, if you are trying to get a job, yeah, it's a cool part of that. If you're hiring, it ought to be a, an integral part of that as well. Well, you know, I'm just going to play my transition movie, music there. I'm having another glitch there. I'm going to have to reload my music bank, apparently, to make these things work properly. So in that being said, I was just going to give a little transition there and remind you, if you've got a question, you're hearing other people's questions here. You got a question, they had a welcome review on years for potential inclusion in an upcoming 48 days radio show. Just go to the 48 days.com link, click on the podcast link there. And you can leave your question there. Look for the red starburst. That's where you hit that and it'll give you opportunity to put your question in there. Or you can just send an email directly to askdan at 48days.com. Ashley says, on October 5th, when I'm recording this, this is the 15th. Wow. So 10 days ago, I delivered my baby three months early. She has a long road ahead of her before she can come home. And it's an emotional roller coaster from day to day. Is there anything you would advise other than reading and listening to positive people and prayer in order to get through this difficult time? Also, thank you for your podcast and positive outlook. I was able to take comfort even during the delivery by reflecting on words from you, Robert D and others. Well, what a great testimonial about how you're approaching this. I, I grieve for you, Ashley, at, at what you've gone through and what you're facing. Certainly feel for you in that. Uh, you certainly have a, a great attitude about what's coming. Um, I assume your baby is doing okay, just uh, going through that critical growth period before you can bring her home. And I hope that goes well. Now, as, as to your question, what would I advise other than reading, listening to positive people in prayer? You've covered a whole lot right there. Reading, listening, being around positive people, prayer. Yeah, don't just 
pass the time by sitting in front of the TV. There, It's so filled with negativity. You'll be reminded about all the horrible things going on around the world. You don't need to have that be filled in your mind. So yeah, choose. I mean, choose 10 great books that you would want to read during this period of time. If you want some suggestions, I mean, obviously I've got a lot of suggestions. Just send a blank email to reading at 48days.com. You'll get an autoresponder that takes you right to my suggested reading list. Books that I recommend and why. There's so many classics in there. Somebody asked me recently, well, the members of my mastermind asked me what books I was reading. I went through a long list of, of books that I've just been reading here recently, including things like Drive, Daniel Pink's book, The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg, Dave Ramsey's brand new book on um, the legacy journey. Um, So lots of great things out there that you can read. Listen to podcasts. Watch TED Talks on TV. TED Talks, you can put in categories for topics. There's so much great, positive, encouraging, exciting material there. I mean, see this opportunity as an opportunity not to put your life on hold, but as an opportunity for you to surge forward with your own personal growth and development, your own optimism, the own recognition of your passion, purpose, your own dreams. I mean, see it, and this is not to be selfish. Certainly your attention is going to be focused on your, your baby's growth and continued health and development. But see, this is a time where you can also really accelerate becoming the best that you can be. So when that baby comes home, you're going to be the absolute most stunning, extraordinary mama that anybody has ever seen. So get prepared for that. You know, read about what you want to do when the baby comes home, how you want to continue developing the rest of your family. You don't share about what that consists of, but, you know, just look at the kind of things that you can do to become the very best that you can be in this period of time where you've got extra time that you can devote to your own personal development. Great question. Can keep us posted. We'll keep you in our prayers as well, Ashley, for you and your baby. Now this comes from art and, and this, I love this question. We're going to park here for a little bit. We're going to spend a little bit of, bit of time on this because art ask, Dan, I recently read 48 days and no more Mondays. Great books like you. I'm a car guy. I worked as an ASE certified technician for six plus years, then opened up a used car lot, which led to a bankruptcy. I'll have to admit fixing cars and selling them are completely different. Currently, I work for the state and earn only $40,000 a year. I feel like my time is worth way more than that. I'd like to open up my own repair shop as those are my skills of expertise and I enjoy the work. Don't know where to start as my credit is shot from my previous endeavor and I have no savings. Well, let's just break this down a little bit. You went out on your own, opened up a used car lot and led to a bankruptcy. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Obviously not the end of the world, but you've jumped back in the game. You have a job working for the state, earned $40,000 a year, only $40,000 a year, you say. Now, obviously, if we look at world trends, you know that you're in the top 3% of the world already at that, but I don't blame you on wanting to do more than that and recognizing that your time is worth more than what you're getting currently. Now that's the thing about going out on your own. 
going out on your own. Here's an, here's a car analogy. I'll never forget the first time that I got a car with power windows. Joanne, you know, my wife was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I never want to have a car again that doesn't have power windows. Well, then it was door locks. Wow. This is really cool. You know, I don't have to walk around and push the buttons down anymore. Just hit a button there. I never want to have a car that doesn't have this. You know, and then it was a sunroof. Golly, never want to be not able to pop that open in the springtime and in the fall when the weather's just perfect. Have that open. All the kids enjoy it. Well, then it was heated seats. I mean, it just cracks me up every time that she experiences something new, you know, automatic, automatically dimmed lights. Remember when I got a, a Cadillac Eldorado, this was years ago, and it would automatically dim the lights from bright down when another car approaches. I mean, all these little gadgets. Well, then the latest thing probably is air conditioned seats. And she's driving a Lincoln Aviator right now that she really loves. And it has air-conditioned seats. And it's like, oh, I never want to have a car again. Well, what happens is once you experience something, it's hard to go back to something less or something that would be seemingly more mundane or common. That's exactly what happens to entrepreneurs. When people start something on their own, even if it is not a great experience, like you're describing here, Art, you, just, you, you opened a little used car lot and filed bankruptcy. Ouch. But you know what? You've seen too much. You've experienced too much to ever be content again with just working where you're being paid a set fee of 20 bucks an hour, which is exactly what, if you're making $40,000 a year, you know, if we look at this, let's just kind of break this down together. If you, if you work 40 hours a week and you work 50 weeks a year, take two weeks off, you're working 2,000 hours. So it's easy to do the math at that point. If you're making $40,000 a year, that means you're making $20 an hour. Now, there's nothing shabby about that. I mean, if you're working at Taco Bell, you're making 10 bucks an hour. So you're doing double what somebody there is. So nothing wrong with that. But you know there's more available for you. And sure, I mean, we know that you can make, as a mechanic, you can make $75, $80 an hour. If you're working in a shop, Again, they're going to get half of that. But if they're billing at $80 an hour and you're getting half of that, then you're at 40 bucks an hour, which is double where you are now. So yeah, you could do that. Or if you're on your own, obviously you can keep it up there where you want. If you're selling cars, you can make chunks of money. Now, again, having tried that, even though it didn't work out well for you, and I don't know what went wrong, I mean, I love the used car business because of the chunks of money you, you can make, but you don't calculate the money that you're making hourly because you might work all week long and make nothing and then sell a car and make $2,000. I mean, that would not be unusual. If you have a really good buy on a car, you get it reconditioned. I mean, I, I love watching these shows on TV, like counting cars. Love it where they find these old cars and then they recondition them and boom, you know, they make 30,000 bucks on a car. But if we're talking just an average run of the mill, you go out and find a nice Mercedes and recon it. You get it detailed and it's clean, looking fresh. Everything checks out, put a new set of tires on it. And depending on the range car it is, yeah, it would not be unusual to make $2,000 a piece on it. I have a friend who was in the kind of exotic car arena for a long time. So he had 
Mercedes, Jags, Volvos, even Maseratis, Ferraris, things like that. But he would average $4,000 net profit per car. That was his average. I mean, he had a immaculate inventory. People loved buying from him. They knew it was exactly as he described it. And his average net profit was $4,000. But let's say that you, you work for an entire week and just get one car ready. You sell the one car and you make a net profit of $2,000. Well, that's, that calculates out if you spent 40 hours getting it ready to be $50 an hour. So again, you could move up if you were just doing four cars a month and you averaged $2,000 a piece that you were getting on those. So there's a lot of ways to look at this. What we have to figure out is what's an reasonable approach for you to leverage your skill as a mechanic, somebody who understands cars, and yeah, it is different repairing cars. It's different than selling them. Frankly, you have more leverage on the upside financially in selling them than you're ever going to have in fixing them. But there are ways to there are ways to grow that as well. Let me give you an example. Now, you said that you read No More Mondays. In No More Mondays, when I start Chapter Eight, I talk about a guy who was my next door neighbor. Now, he since has moved on. They built a spectacular new house, moved out of my neighborhood, built a spectacular new house, and he just moved into what was previously the Dodge dealership here in Franklin, Tennessee. So I'm talking a place that has, you know, 20 bays and a great frontage, big showroom, the whole thing. Let me tell you how he started. This is out of No More Mondays that I wrote now. Let's see. That came out in, what, 2010. So it's about four years ago that I wrote this. Aaron, a neighbor of mine out here in the rural area of Tennessee, is a young man who dropped out of school after the eighth grade and never got a high school diploma. As the oldest of six kids living with his divorced mom, he was angry about the burden he felt at such a young age. With what seemed like limited options, he struggled with the question, what can I possibly do? He worked in a variety of odd jobs, including hanging drywall. At age 21, he got married, and he and his wife quickly had two babies. Aaron was determined to make more money, but saw few options other than working more hours. But he discovered he was pretty good as a diagnostic mechanic, and he loved working on cars. He started working on Saabs and Volvos. Now, we live in Williamson County, Tennessee, just south of Nashville, and Aaron told me that there are more Volvos per capita in our county than any other county in the United States. He saw that as an opportunity and educated himself on those two makes of cars, Volvos and Sobs. Aaron began working out of an old deserted barn on the property where he and his growing family were living in a rented trailer. The first year he did about $65,000 worth of mechanical work. The next year he did $120,000. At that point, there was a lot of traffic in and out of that old barn, and that became an issue with the neighbors. So Aaron rented a warehouse in the nearby town of Franklin. His first year there, he did $640,000 in business. Now, when at the writing of the book, it's two years later, and his projections for this year are $1.2 million in business revenue. Aaron didn't make it past the eighth grade, but still discovered his niche. He found what fit him, which is a critical part of the process that I always describe. He didn't have the finances to start a business. Most anyone would have advised him to just keep any possible job. 
but he was hungry enough that he didn't care about logical decisions. He says he wanted his business with, he started his business with a $19 floor jack from Walmart and a plastic toolbox worth with $60 worth of tools. Aaron told me the reason this work fits me is because it's fast paced. I like to fix people in their cars. I get to take their problems away. If I get to better someone's life and help my employees, then I'm happy too. Now that's out of no more, no more dreaded Mondays. That's an actual story. Aaron is the one that I just described moved into the previous Dodge dealership. This is a multi-million dollar facility. Now I haven't talked to him in a while. I need to catch up with him. I need to stop in and see him again, but he built he did build a beautiful house on the property right next to me here where he started out in that old trailer. But that's how he started with $60 worth of tools. So when you say, Art, that your credit is shot, that's okay. It doesn't matter. You, you can just start doing great work for people again and grow it from there. But you're going to have to decide what is it that you want to do? Do you want to go back to mechanicing, to fixing people's cars? Great opportunity there. If you're honest, reliable, say what you uh, do, what you say you're going to do and have fair prices. My goodness. I mean, I've got one guy, Worcesters. I mean, Mike Worcester here in Franklin, Tennessee. Now he's got a big place with lots of mechanics, but, but he's the main guy. He's the guy I talk to and anything in this kind of category of cars, if it's Mercedes, Volvos, Saab, again, the exotic stuff, he's my guy. Now, Aaron is local as well. His company is called Eurofix, E-U-R-O-F-I-X, Eurofix. But I mean, both these guys are doing really, really well. Now, we live in a county. Now, this is where you, you take account of who your target customer is and where you live. We live in Williamson County. Williamson County is the highest per capita income county in Tennessee. As you know, there's a lot of musicians here, you know, a lot of uh, other celebrities like Nicole Kidman, uh, you know, movie stars that live here. So it's the highest per capita income county in Tennessee, and it's the 11th highest in the country. So that means there are going to be particular kind of cars here, people with discretionary income. So these guys are rocking and rolling with their mechanic work on the kind of cars that people in Williamson County, Tennessee drive. If you want to do that where you live, now you say that you're in Salem, Oregon. So if you can do that where you live, identify who your target audience is and serve them well, I'm sure you can go right back into that. If you want to, in fact, sell cars, my goodness, there's no place in the world that there's not an opportunity to sell cars. You know, my neck still jerks around every time I go by one of these little lots that's not being used currently. And I think, oh my gosh, I could have a ball, have 20 really cool cars ready to go there at any given time. Now I'm probably not going to do that, but it still gets my attention. It's one of those things I could switch to in a heartbeat if I decided to do that. But, but now here's one of the issues too, and I'm going to rush, rush through this because we're just about out of time. I wrote, I'll reference a blog that I wrote a couple years ago, and it was titled Hourly Pay Will Keep You Poor. And here's the deal. I talked to a lot of people who say, gee, I want to make more. I want to make more. Well, if you're in a job and you're making $15 an hour, you're going to make $30,000 a year. We already talked about if you're making $20 an hour, you're going to make $40,000 a year. If you get a three or 4% increase every year, it's not going to significantly change your financial position. 
you can do a great job and maybe get a 5% increase. But again, the people that I talk to and aren't people like you are saying, you don't want to just creep up a dollar an hour more. You want to do something that substantially changes what you're doing. That's where you look for creative ideas. What could you do that is a creative idea that you can put legs on it? So some of the people we've already talked to here, a guy um, early on, Steve, who said that he is doing 3D animation. Wow, that is open-ended where you can do 10, 20, $30,000 projects rather than just being paid by the hour. If you're selling cars, nobody pays by the hour. You make your money based on the chunks of money you get when you sell the car. Same way if you're flipping houses. But the same thing is true if you're mowing yards or if you start, um, got a, um, a friend who sells cameras. He buys cameras in bulk on eBay and sells them one at a time on Amazon makes over a hundred thousand dollars a year doing that. Just a simple focus like that. There's so many things like that. I mean, if you want to do kettle corn, we've got ideas in my 48 low cost business ideas. Matter of fact, I'll send one of those out to you. Um, I'll, I'll get one of those and send that out to you, Art, my 48 low-cost business ideas, just as a gift to you to help stimulate your ideas and get that entrepreneurial juices going again. I know they're close to the surface. You've described too much about where you've come from, and I can certainly understand you're being impatient and feeling undervalued at just simply working in an hourly job. Hey, great, great questions as always. Keep your dreams alive. Remember our quotation today started that off from brian tracy all successful men and women are big dreamers they imagine what their future could be ideal in every respect and then they work every day toward their distant vision their goal and that purpose they work toward that that's what it's like to be working toward your dreams well we want to encourage you in that be working toward your dreams, whatever they are, bring those to life. Don't ever give up on them. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community where we in fact are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable.